Well, good morning. If you'd open your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 1. I'm going to continue our study in the book of Ephesians this morning. Before we begin, let's bow before our Lord together in prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, holy and reverend is your matchless name. And Father, we come before you carefully, reverently, this morning, knowing that we come into the presence of Almighty God. And yet how thankful we are that we can come before you as your children, crying out Abba, Father. It's only because of your mercy and grace, and Father, we are thankful. And Father, I pray this morning that you give us the spirit of worship, that you would meet with us and enable us to worship you in spirit and in truth. Father, I pray that as we open your word this morning, that you would open it, open your word to our hearts, and that you might be pleased to reveal your redemptive glory in the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, give us faith to see, faith to believe and rest in our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, we pray for ourselves in this hour, we pray for our children's classes, Father, that you might make this an hour of special blessing, that you'd be pleased to be merciful to our children, how thankful we are for them. And Father, pray you'd be merciful to them. Bless them and bless their teachers in this important hour. We pray that you'd be with Brother Eric as he's away preaching in Danville. That Father, that you'd bless them and him in preaching and them in worship, that you'd bring him and Abby back home safe to us. And Lord, we pray for our country. This is such a, a difficult time. Father, we pray that you would not give us what we deserve, that you would continue to preserve and protect the freedoms that we have in this country, that we may be enabled by thy goodness to continue to worship thee, free of reprisal and fear, and this might remain a land of freedom and liberty. We pray that you'd be with our leaders, and Father, that you'd give them wisdom and direction that they do not have naturally that you might use them as instruments for good to preserve our to preserve our freedoms and preserve the, the land of liberty that you've given to us. And Father, that for those that you've brought in the time of trouble and trial, we pray for them. We pray you comfort their hearts, that you heal and that you deliver according to thy will. All these things we ask in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's in his name. And for his glory, we pray. Amen. All right, I've titled our lesson this morning, The Work of the Holy Spirit. Now, the work of the Holy Spirit is a very misunderstood subject because of all the religious propaganda that men put out about the Holy Spirit. You know, men make the work of the Holy Spirit to be something that is impressive to the flesh. That men make out the, the work of the Spirit to be miracles and healings and speaking in tongues and so forth. And, you know, that's not the work of the Holy Spirit at all. Now, the Lord gave those gifts. The Holy Spirit gave those gifts to, to the early church. Those, those men did work miracles and healings. They did speak in tongues. But the Lord gave, the Holy Spirit gave those gifts to men at that time because there was no New Testament written. The, the New Testament was still being written by the apostles at that time. 
So the Holy Spirit gave those gifts, the gifts of what we generally associate with the gifts of the Spirit, so that unbelievers, he didn't give those gifts to, to men for believers, he gave for the sake of unbelievers, so that unbelievers would know the Lord has to be with this man. The Lord, God, had to give these men the ability to, to perform these miracles. And the Spirit gave those gifts so that unbelievers would listen to these men preach Christ. See, the whole, the whole point of the work of the Spirit is to point men to Christ so that sinners will hear Christ. It's not so that men will be impressed with the gifts other men have. It's so they listen to these men preach. So they, they listen to these men preach Christ. Now, once the New Testament was completed, those gifts of the Spirit ended because the Scriptures were complete. See, before the Scriptures were complete, how, how do you know if a man's got a message from God? Well, he's, he has these, these miracles, these gifts. Now the New Testament's completed. If you want to know if a man's got a message from God or not, if he's preaching the, the truth, all you've got to do is check him out by the Scriptures. Is he saying what the Scriptures say? If he is, he's got a message from God. So the, now that the Scriptures are completed, the, these gifts aren't, aren't needed anymore. And hold your place there in, in uh, Ephesians. Look back at John chapter 16. I told you that the work of the Holy Spirit is to reveal Christ. Here, this is what our Lord tells us in John chapter 16. Verse 13. Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he'll not speak of himself. For whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he'll show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and shall show it unto you. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. The work of the Holy Spirit is to take God's word, take the preaching of Christ, and reveal Christ to the hearts of God's people. So they'll trust their soul to Christ. Look back at uh, chapter 7 there of John 16. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it's expedient, it's necessary, it's expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I'll send him unto you. And when he's come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they believe not on me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment, because the Prince of this world is judged. Now, the Holy Spirit, his work is to reveal Christ to the hearts of God's people. He's going to reveal to us our sin. The Holy Spirit's the one that reveals to us what sin really is. It's, it's a sin nature. And this is what's, what it takes to put sin away. The suffering of Christ the Savior. He's going to show that. This is, oh, what, what it took to pay for sin. Sin is not just some, some violation of the rules, you know, that, that we don't like. Oh, it's, it's sin is an offense against God. And this is what it took to put sin away. The suffering and the death of God's Son. And the Spirit's going to show us what righteousness really is. He, the Spirit shows us our unrighteousness by showing us Christ who is our righteousness. And the way we know He's righteous, He was made sin for His people, but His sacrifice put that sin away. He ascended back to the Father. Well, the Father wouldn't have accepted him if he wasn't righteous. If he hadn't made his people righteous, Christ is our righteousness. And when we see Christ in his righteousness, that's when we know how unrighteous we are. 
And the Holy Spirit shows us sin is what we are. It's not just what we do, it's what we are. And here's the evidence of our sin nature. We will not believe on Christ. Unless the Spirit gives us faith in Christ, we will not. We cannot believe in Him because we have a, a sin nature. And only the Holy Spirit can reveal Christ to our hearts that way. Now that's the work of the Holy Spirit. It's to reveal Christ. And back in our text, Ephesians chapter 1, there are four words in our text that show us the work of the Holy Spirit. Those four words are trusted, heard, sealed, and earnest. And those are the four words I want to look at this morning. The first one is trusted. Verse 12 of Ephesians chapter 1. That we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ, in whom you also trusted. Now last week we saw how the Father was the first one to trust in Christ. In the covenant of grace, the Father elected a people. He elected a people to save, and he gave those people to his Son to save. And he promised the Son, you make them righteous. You put their sin away, I'll accept them. And the Son promised his Father, I'll do everything it takes to save those people. He promised his Father, I'll come in the flesh as the representative of those people, as the second Adam. And just like the first Adam made them unrighteous by his disobedience, I'll make them righteous by my obedience to all. I'll obey, obey the law for them as their representative. And he promised his father, I'll take their sin. And I'll put it away by my, by, by my blood, by my sacrifice for their sin. He promised his father he'd do everything it took to save his people from their sin. And the father trusted him to do it. The father believed him. The father trusted all of his purpose of salvation, salvation by grace, to his son. And the son proved himself to be trustworthy, didn't he? He did everything he promised his father that he would do. He has come and he has redeemed his people from their sin. Now you who know Christ, you've also trusted Christ, haven't you? The same way the father trusted Christ. That's how you trust him. If Lord has saved you, you trust Christ to do everything he promised he'd do. You trust him to fulfill every promise of this book, don't you? You trust him to be your righteousness. You trust him to make you holy and righteous before God. You don't have to do it by your works, by your obedience. You trust Christ to do it because he promised you he would. You trust Christ to call you to himself and to keep you by the power of his grace. You trust him to keep you all the way to the end. You know it's got to be by his power because you can't do it your own self. You trust Christ to one day glorify you in heaven and bring you where he is that you may behold his glory. You trust him to do it because he promised that he would. You trust. If God has saved you, you trust Christ is enough. He's enough. He's all it takes to save you. You can't be better than you are in Christ. So you don't try, feel compelled to add works of your own to make sure that you're saved. Because you trust Christ. He's enough. He's all it takes. Paul says here, in whom you also trusted, in whom you believed. That word there doesn't just mean, well, you know, I give mental assent to this, you know, that this is true. It means committed your soul. Commitment. You committed your soul to Christ. And that's what faith is. It's commitment. It's committing my soul to Christ. 
committing my all to him. He's going to do all the work and I'm going to do none of it. It's a commitment to him. And the work of the Holy Spirit is this. It's to reveal Christ to the hearts of God's people. Not just so that we know his name. Not just so we know what he did. But so that we'll commit our souls to him. That's the kind of trust only the Holy Spirit can give. All right, the second word is heard. In whom you also trusted after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Now I'll make a statement here. I don't think anybody here would disagree with it, but it's a very important statement. No one is ever saved apart from hearing the gospel of Christ. No one. You think of the Ethiopian eunuch. There he was coming back from, from that uh, ceremony, the, the feast day that he'd been at, and he'd been able to buy a scroll, the Word of God, the Gospel of Isaiah, and he was reading it, and he could not understand what it said. He knew it was speaking to somebody, but he didn't know who. He didn't understand this is speaking of Christ until Philip came and began at that very scripture, Isaiah 53, that's what the eunuch was, was reading. He began at that very scripture and preached what to him? Christ. Who Christ is. Then that eunuch believed, but he could not believe till somebody told him who Christ is. Good. Look at Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. Paul tells us this very same thing. In Romans chapter 10. Verse 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But now how then shall they call on him in whom they've not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they've not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it's written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed their report? So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Now you can't trust Christ until someone sent from God tells you who Christ is. Somebody's got to tell us who he is. Somebody's got to come and preach the gospel to us. Now you can hear the gospel. We can, we can make people come and hear the gospel with these ears. But only the Holy Spirit can make us hear. Lots of people heard the gospel and didn't believe Christ. You've heard the gospel and believed on him. What's the difference? The Holy Spirit gave you faith to believe. You heard and he caused um, what you heard to be mixed with faith and you believed on Christ. Now this is a miracle. Sinful men hear the gospel preached by another sinful man and they believe on Christ. <laughs> That's the way God does things. That's the, that is the way that God saves his people. Now, people say, well, I don't know that you really got to hear a preacher. You know, God could do this. God could, well, wait a minute. Could God save sinners without the preaching of the gospel? Well, I have absolutely no doubt that he could. God has the power to do whatever he wills. Could God save a, a, a sinner? Could God reveal Christ to the hearts of a sinner without them hearing the gospel? I reckon he could, but he won't. He won't do it. God will not do it. 
It's pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. It's pleased God by what men call foolish. You know, men say, what you're doing is foolish. Just, you know, all you, all you do is preach. You don't do anything to entertain anybody. There's, there's, you know, there's not enough excitement going on. All you do is preaching. That's just foolish. It, you're preaching things that are foolish to the natural mind. That, that, it just it doesn't grab my attention. It, can't you tell me something new? You know, it's pleased God by what the world calls the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And that's the one and only way Almighty God will reveal his Son to the hearts of his people. Now look over First 1 Peter chapter 1. It's not just any preaching. You know, it's preaching the word of God. It's preaching the truth. That's what Paul said, the, the truth. When a sinner saved, the Holy Spirit causes that sinner to be born again. Born again with a brand new nature. And the way he does that is the preaching of the word. 1 Peter 1, verse 23. Being born again. Not of corruptible seed. You're not born again the same way you were born the first time, with corruptible, sinful seed. If, if you could do that, you'd just be born a sinner all over again, wouldn't you? you just, if you're born from corruptible seed. But you're born again of incorruptible by the word of God. That's the seed, the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man is a flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. See, in order for, for new life to be born in us, life's got to come from a seed, doesn't it? Life's got to come from a seed, and that seed has to be planted. And the seed that gives spiritual life is the word of God. And the way that seed is planted is by the preaching of Christ. Preaching. And if God the Holy Spirit is going to give us spiritual life, this is what he's going to do. He's going to make us hear. Somebody's going to come preach the gospel to us. Somebody's going to come tell us who Christ is, and the Holy Spirit will give us faith to believe. We're going to hear and believe. All right, the third word is sealed. Back in our text, Ephesians 1. In whom you also trusted, after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom after that you believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Now, that word sealed is to stamp a mark on. It's like the, the old kings used to do. You know, they they use that wax seal and they press their ring into it. That's a seal showing this thing is genuine. This is something that's come directly from the king. It's a stamp to show us something's gen- genuine. And it also means to make secure. Make secure. Now this seal, don't go looking for an outward sign of this seal. It's not a seal of the king's ring, you know, in our flesh. It's not an outward sign. It's an inward sign. It's a seal in the heart. Well, what is that seal? What is the seal God uses to put on the hearts of his people to show they're genuine? This, this is a genuine believer. This is a genuine son or daughter of the king. It's the new birth. When a new man, a new nature is born in us by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that new man bears the image of Christ. He's been stamped in the image of Christ. That new man has the nature of Christ. He's genuine. Peter said he's been made a partaker of the divine nature. He's got a nature that came from the seed. 
from the seed, from the word of God that, that gave him life in the first place. Now that new man, he's been born again. He's been born again in, in, a, in a fashion that, that similar to the way that the old man was born, didn't he? By a seed. But this new man bears no semblance to the old man whatsoever. The new man bears no semblance to Adam whatsoever. The flesh does. Our flesh has been stamped in the image of Adam, and we can't change it, can we? I mean, we can't change it. And we're, that new man is going to have to lug around this flesh. It's been stamped in Adam's image to the day this flesh dies. And when this body dies, the flesh is going to go back to the dust from whence it was made. And that new man is going to be set free. And he's going to go straight into the presence of the Lord. Straight into the presence of the Lord. You know, you know no qualification period, no, no trial period, no probationary period. Straight into the presence of God Almighty. You know why? The new man's qualified. He's qualified. He's been stamped as he's shown genuine. He's qualified to be in God's presence because he's been made just like Christ. Now we get ourselves in a world of trouble. We start looking for this outward sign in us. If you look for outward evidence of salvation, I mean, you're just opening yourself up for, for heartache. Because everything we do is sinful. Every, I mean, the only thing you can see about us is sin. The only evidence that our salvation is genuine, that's the salvation of God, is a seal in the heart. It's God-given faith in Christ. And if you find that you trust Christ, and you can't find anything else or anyone else to trust but Christ, that's the seal. That's the seal that God gives his people. It's a, it's a seal that God gives us. You're a genuine believer, a genuine child of God. Well, the second meaning of this, this word sealed is to make secure. The Holy Spirit keeps and preserves God's people so that they cannot be lost. They cannot spoil, just like preserves that, that uh, we can and, and make today. Now, when I was a boy, my mom used to make, she used to can strawberry jam. And I'm, she made it from strawberries. We'd go down to Beale's Farm. If any of you are old enough to remember Beale's Farm, you go down there and pick strawberries at Beale's Farm. And oh, I hated picking those strawberries. I mean, I hated it. I hated it. Jonathan was a little guy. He'd go, and Dad would tell him, he said, you better weigh him when he comes in, weigh him when he goes out, because more's going in him, what's going in that bucket, you know. We'd go down there and pick strawberries. Had to go a couple times a year. And mom would try to make enough jam. She'd try to cam enough of these strawberry preserves or jelly or jam, whatever you call it, so there'd be enough to eat all year long. And I have to tell you, I mean, I hated going and picking those strawberries in the summertime. Boy, I'm telling you, in the wintertime, it sure was nice to open up that jam, put on a piece of hot toast. Oh, I've never found jam taste that good ever. Oh, it was so good. And if by some weird coincidence, one of those cans would make it a whole year long. And you'd open it up, and you know what? It'd be just as good as the first one from a year ago. Because it was sealed. It was sealed so that it couldn't spoil. Now that's the life of a believer. We've been sealed 
by the Holy Spirit so we can't spoil. And if you know yourself, that's good news. I'd spoil it in a minute. In a second, I'd spoil it. But the Holy Spirit won't let you. He sealed God's Spirit. He's, he's sealed God's people so that they can't start trusting in anything else. They can't start trusting themselves. They're sealed. They're preserved. A false prophet cannot deceive them. Oh, if it were possible, he, he would. But it's not possible. Because the Holy Spirit has sealed them. The Holy Spirit will see to it. He's going to keep and preserve his people so that they cannot spoil. And one day, they walk straight in the presence of God. Because the Holy Spirit has sealed them. And the fourth word is earnest. Verse 14. Which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession under the praise of his glory. I have an example of this point that I believe will, will help us remember it. I used this uh, illustration when I was in San Diego um, a month or so ago, however long ago that was, and it seemed to go over good, so I'll, I'll give it to you all too. Right now, Maddie Cook is, uh, is planning a wedding. She's gone and, and picked out a venue for her wedding. She's reserved a place for, for, the, for the ceremony and for a party afterwards. She's ordering things. She's gone to stores and wherever, wherever you do all this stuff, you know. She's ordered flowers for, for the wedding. She's ordered a, a cake for the wedding. So I'm, I haven't heard this, but more than likely, if she hasn't, she's going to do this right soon. She's going to go buy a real nice dress. She's going to try on a bunch of different dresses. She's going to pick out one. And, uh, you know, to me, and the, the dress can be shockingly expensive for something you're just going to wear one time. But she's going to buy it. She's going to buy this nice dress. I mean, it's going to be nice. She's picked out a, a color scheme for the whole affair. This is something men don't understand. I mean, the whole affair has got a color scheme. I mean, of all the colors you can think of in the rainbow, Maddie's picked out one or two colors. That's, that's a color scheme for this whole thing. I'm, I just bet you she's very carefully picked out. She's looked at a hundred different kinds of wedding invitations, colors and fonts and all this stuff, you know, picked out just, just what, what she wants. So it looks just the way that she wants it, it, wants it to look. She and Ethan have even picked out a house to buy or they're going to start their life together or they're going to live together. And May has gone to a lot of trouble, hasn't she? I mean, a lot of trouble. And what I'm sure is some expense for this thing that she's planning. I got a question. How she know that's all going to happen? How she know she's not wasting her time? How she know she's not wasting her money? You know why she's sure? Here's why she knows she, I'm not wasting my time. Ethan bought a ring and put it on her left hand. <laughs> And that ring is a promise. I'm going to marry you. I'm going to stay married to you forever. See, that ring on her left hand is a promise. It's just a little old ring. I mean, it just fits on, on, on one finger, you know, on, on your hand. But you know what that ring says? There's a whole lot more to come. There's a whole lifetime to come together. That's, the, that's what that ring is a promise of. Now, why is a believer so sure all these promises of God are ours? 
How, How can you be so sure? Does it seem like pie in the sky kind of thinking about to say that a sinner is made righteous in God's in God's sight? Well, I don't see anything but sin about myself. Is it? I mean, how can I really know God when God looks at me? He sees me as righteous. How can I really know? I mean, Frank, you're sold out to this thing. Yo, you're sold out to this thing of the gospel. How can you be so sure that you're spending your life believing this gospel, trusting Christ, trusting Him and Him alone, looking to Him and Him alone? You refuse to to look anywhere else. And you're saying that when you die, that you are going to be in glory. We're going to see your body laid out in a casket. How do you know that's not the end? It's like when a dog dies. How do you know that's not the end? You're saying you've got a spirit that's going to leave this body and go be with the Lord? And that spirit, in, in whatever form that it's in, is going to be with God in, until Christ returns, and he's going to raise that body, your body that's, that has returned to the dust, that's just gone. And yet God's going to raise that body and join it to that perfect soul, and that you're going to be with the Lord forever. Worshiping him, singing his praises, being around his throne. And you mean to tell me you're never going to get tired of it? You're never going to need to break? How do you... I'd say almost every person in this room has staked their soul on that. How can you be so sure? The Holy Spirit is the ring. The Lord's given you the ring if you will, the earnest. He's given you the earnest of His Spirit. He's the first fruits. There's a whole lot more to come. There's a whole lot more to come. We have the Spirit which keeps pointing us to Christ, which keeps reminding us of Christ, which keeps telling us there's a whole lot more to come. There's an eternity with Christ to come. God's giving you the first fruits. There's going to be many more fruits. The first fruits means there's going to be a second and a third and a fourth and many more to follow. There's a whole lot more coming, isn't there? It doth not yet appear what we shall be. Or you just wait till Christ comes. When he appears, we'll be like him, for we'll see him as he is. How can you possibly believe that so? God's given me the earnest. He's given me his spirit that keeps me looking to Christ and waiting for Christ, that keeps me trusting Christ and Christ alone. And that is the work of the Holy Spirit. That's the work of the Spirit to point us to Christ. God help us. God give us eyes to see Him, huh? And a heart to believe Him. All right. Lord bless you.